Well, we're continuing our work through Genesis, and a lot has gone on through the chapters. If you're just joining us, uh, you know, Genesis is tied together, but at the same, thing, at the same time, it, it separates in the stories. It kind of gives us an understanding of how this world was started, what, uh, what happened. Uh, and last week, we talked about uh, this, the, the, the Tower of Babel and what all that meant. And, and remember, I tell you, then we have genealogies that we won't go over those because of time. But those genealogies are very important. It tells you who's connected to who. So uh, find yourself. I even, the first time I read it, I mean, really read it, I was in Hobbs, New Mexico. And uh, I sat down with some paper, and I just started doing graphs. Even though it was already done for us and uh, you know, these people, had they've done it in books for you, but I just wanted to do it myself to follow the, the line. It's really interesting, so if you're kind of nerdy like me, you can do that as well. Uh, and uh, what happened is we left off where uh, uh, Abram's about to go out. Remember, during that time, God had already told him, hey, I'm going to make you into a... Uh, uh, make your family great. They're going to have all this. He can't believe it. He's 75, 80 years old, thinking there's no way it can happen. Sarah's over here, and she's going, well, I'm, you know, I'm not going to have a baby if I'm 75, 80 years old. And so uh, a lot of things happen between where we're, where we're going to be and uh, today. And, and here's just a real quick uh, uh, summarize what's going on. You've got Abraham and Lot are there. And uh, they're living in, in an area, and Abraham said, man, our herdsmen are fighting. They were fighting, and they couldn't get along. He said, look, both of us can't stay here, so look, you just look out a, a, a lot. You look at everything you want. It's really interesting that he did that. Abram could have said, I'm going to go here in the Jordan Valley where everything's lush and green, but instead he went to Canaan. And, uh, but he said, pick out what you want, and Lot looked at it, and he saw the valley, and he saw the river, and he said, man, that's a plush area. We want to live in that area. And, and Abram said, you go right ahead. Uh, and he went on, and Lot went into Canaan, and, and that's when they began to live their lives. Everybody with me? Remember, this is going to catch us up to where we are. So during that time, you have kings raised up in different places, and that's when uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, uh, the area of Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's where Lot lived. He lived in Sodom. And, and uh, all of a sudden, these kings start battling one another. They go in, and they... Uh, they begin to, to, to fight, and they want to take over. They want all this, uh, all this stuff. And so they went into this battle. These kings fought for a long time. And what happens is uh, they begin to, uh, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah began to leave, and they fell into these tar pits. It's real interesting. And that was in, in a little valley. And so uh, during that process, Abraham heard that they had went to the city and took all their goods, took a lot of slaves, and one of the persons that, one of the people that they took is, was who? Anybody remember? They took Lot. Now, that was, that was family. And so when they took Lot, Abram said, no, nah, that's not going to happen. And so he went after him, and basically he got uh, Lot, and he, he got him back, and he took over. And that's the first mention of uh, a name that will be mentioned uh, later on in Scripture, and that's when uh, he was blessed, and that's when we hear about the priest, uh, Melchizedek. And uh, you're going to hear that name from time to time uh, throughout Scripture, even in the New Testament. And so this is where we are. Uh, we've come to that point. They settled everything down. And uh, before I uh, start the Scripture, I wanted to start. Remember, I'm doing things different. I'm going to show you some Scripture that talk about the seed because that's what it's all about. God's saying, listen, there is a seed planted within you that will one day be the Savior of the world. 
And during, watch this, and during that process, as you mess up, come back, mess up, come back, mess up, come back, I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to leave an area, I'm going to leave an open space called Grace and Mercy where I will at least, I will have to judge you, but I'm going to redeem you. Remember, I I personally believe the Old Testament can be summed up in one word, and it's redemption. It's all about, they mess up, come back. They mess up, come back. And it's true for us today with Christ. Uh, his, his grace is deep. His mercy is long. It's new every morning. And so uh, that's what I want us to hold on to. And then I'm going to give you all the answers at the beginning. Then we're going to read the scripture. You ready? Uh, so uh, this is a scripture in Jeremiah 31, uh, 31. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, and I'll make a new covenant. And that's what I want you to remember here. He said, I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel, the house of Judah. He said, I'm, making, I'm going to make a brand new covenant, not like the covenant that I made with the fathers on the day when they took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. He says, not that covenant. That was an old covenant. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. And it says, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I'll put my law within them, and I'll write it on their hearts, and I will be their people and they shall be my people. He's specifically talking about Israel, but he was also talking about even us today. That there will be this new covenant that is written in our heart. Uh, that's why when people say, well, I can't, can't believe they took the Ten Commandments out of school. They may have taken the physical Ten Commandments out of the school, but we are the walking Ten Commandments. We are the ones, we are believers. And that's why I don't get bothered by that. I'm going, wow, when people say Christianity is dead in America, I'm going, no, it's not, because I'm still here. And so are you. Christianity is alive in America. We are still here. We still have those freedoms. So he's talking about this new covenant that will come through Christ. And I love that. I'll be their God and they'll be mine. Now in Luke, I'm going to go to Luke now just to kind of sum everything up. Now Luke, Jesus, uh, Jesus said these words. It says, and he, Jesus, took bread and he had given thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup afterward they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the, what? The new covenant. He said, this is the new covenant. The new covenant that you read about in Genesis is, a, is what Jesus is saying, because of my death, burial, and resurrection, everything's about to happen. This is the new covenant with you. It's brand new. It's unlike any others. We, you can follow the law. It's like Paul said, you can do the law, but still, be, it doesn't matter. But if you didn't do the law and you didn't follow it, you would follow it within your heart. You would know what's right in your heart. You would know what's right in your mind. And you will follow it within that, but not with some legalistic standard that we're, this is a brand new covenant, right? And then it says this. It says this, uh, in, in, in uh, Hebrews, it says, this makes Jesus the guarantor of the better covenant. So when he said the new covenant, he says this makes Jesus the guarantor of the better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Man, that's, that's good for us. Now, everybody look right here because this is what we slide by. And we don't remember our salvation. We don't remember. You need to go back and remember the day that you realized that Christ died for you. And remember that feeling. Remember that moment of freedom. Some of you cried like a baby. Some of you went home and called different people. You need to remember that because that's what this is. And that will continue forever. 
That's why I always tell you it's easier to do a funeral for somebody who knew Christ than somebody who didn't. Because it's easy to talk about hope. The only thing good about a funeral for somebody who doesn't know Christ that I've done is that I can present the gospel. Right? It's very difficult when you, you look at somebody and say, man, you may not know Christ. So go back to the day of your salvation. And also, if you can't, think about uh, whether or not you are uh, or have made that confession and come to know Christ as your personal Savior. So very, very careful. That's what this is about. This is this new covenant that God poured upon us. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. So this is the, the scripture I quote all the time. It's out of the ESV. I quote it out of uh, New American Standard. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and forgave himself who gave himself up for me. So guys, what I always want you to remember is sometimes we come here and we got to go back to the very basics that it's Christ in us. That's the new covenant, right? That's the new covenant that lives within us. And without that, we would have no hope. So last week we learned this, and I'm going to throw this together. It all makes sense. We learned that distraction comes, direction comes from God, obstacles come from anywhere, obedience comes from me, and remaining in Christ is vital. So if you put those two together on the top and the bottom, direction comes from God, and remaining in Christ is vital to his children, trusting and obeying uh, his precepts. It's vitally important that we do that. So how does God give us direction? If it says this, if, if it, direction is coming, how does he give us direction? And, and here it is. I'm giving you all the answers first, and we're going to read this. It'll make more sense to you. We need to do this. I'm telling you guys, if you don't read your Bible, if you are not a self-feeder, many people leave the church and say, well, I didn't like the speaker. You may have not liked the pattern of the speaker, but the speaker spoke in a monotone voice and talked like this the whole time and never said anything. Or if he used high, flowery words. Uh, and I've sat under pastors like that, you know, and that I was going, well, you know, but at least I can read Scripture. And you need to be self, uh, self-feeders. You need to read Scripture. Many people go off to, to college. They go off to their jobs. And for years, they never were self-feeders. Didn't read the Bible. And so somebody comes in and teaches us something or says something. And then they base everything they really don't know that well on what that person said. It can be a group of people at your job. It can be a, a professor. It can be, uh, it, it can be a, a family member that doesn't believe like you do. But you better start reading your Bible and know what you believe. Secondly, uh, the Holy Spirit. He, he gives us direction through the Holy Spirit. Now in the fall, we're all going to go through the same book uh, through our community group. I've only done that one time where I asked the body of Christ. In the nine years that we've existed, I've only asked the body one time to go through a book all together. And it was Circle Maker. It was a great book. And we're going to go through a book in the fall and for, through the community groups. And it's, it's all about uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. How to pay attention to him. How to know when he calls. And how to enjoy the, the fun of walking with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to encourage you to, to do that. But the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Then we have our experiences. Everything about your, your life, whether... Um, uh, like for me, my life, my experience is a father's child, but also my experience is to be able to be a dad to two wonderful daughters. I mean, my experience is being beaten as a child. Yours may have been ha- had a wonderful experience, or maybe there was a death in the family that, that shocked you, or maybe cancer entered your family, or something happened. But those experiences, maybe you've gotten fired. Maybe you've moved ten times. Maybe you can't settle in your spirit what you're supposed to do. But those experiences, God speaks to us. We don't like to go through bad experiences, right? But sometimes they're the, 
The bad ones really make us pay attention. And when we pay attention, then the Holy Spirit can speak to us, and God speaks to us through experiences. Then he speaks to us through relationships with others. Some of us don't like to, to hear from people when they tell us the truth, do we? No. We kind of want to punch them in the face and go, you don't know what you're talking about. But we can't because they know exactly what they're talking about. They read your mail, and now you're having to having to make some decisions on whether or not you're going to be a person of integrity, a person of character, and take that advice or not. And so people, uh, God speaks to us now through this. And it can be believers and non-believers, right? I've had non-believers say things to me, and they didn't even know I was a Christian, but I went, oh, wow, that really taught me a lesson about how I need to treat people or how I need to respond to people, all right? So what happens is those are the things that I wanted you to understand and learn that God's giving us direction. So we're looking at in Genesis, and we're going to read this scripture, and it'll come to light. Uh, We're going to look in in Genesis, and uh, we are actually in uh, Genesis chapter 17, uh, verse 1. And we're going to skip around a little bit because, and I'll I'll feed that. Are you all ready? Genesis, it says, uh, when Abram was 99, man, that's old, 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Why? That I may make, your, make my covenant. That's why I wanted to go and talk about the covenant that he's talking about. See, Jesus talked about this covenant. And this is the one he talked about. So that I may make my covenant between me and you. And, many multi- uh, uh, and may, you may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face. And God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you. Now, what you need to know, when he fell on his face, that was very, very good. What he said, God said, I'm about to speak to you. And when he fell on his face, he was showing that, number one, I'm going to submit to you. And number, one, number two, I respect you. I respect you and I submit to what you're about to say. So when he fell on his face, that's what he was doing. And here's, here's we need to fall on our face in our own hearts and our own minds to say, God, I respect you and I submit to you. And we don't like that word submit because we don't like to submit to anybody. But I promise you, if you and I submit to God, it's going to go better for us. Even in the rough days, we're going to be able to find a way out. Uh, And uh, Christ will show you that. He said, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. And no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. Abram to Abraham. Abram, uh, when it was Abram, the word, his name really meant great father. When he changed it to Abraham, it changed, and it, it, what it means now is father of many nations. So he was changing. He said, you're not just the father of your local people. You're not just the father of these people that you're growing up around and you're taking care of. But what happens is you're going to be father of many nations. And then he begins to tell him that kings are going to be under him. He says, and I'll make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations. He says, there's going to be a lot of you. So many of you, we're going to make you into nations, and there will be kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant. There it is, between me and you and your offspring after, after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be, to be God to you and to your offspring, offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land uh, of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Says, uh, and God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, and you and your offspring after you 
throughout the generations. So all of a sudden, uh, God says, listen, this is going to be incredible for you. Now watch, as a man in those days, even in these days, we want a son. We want our lineage to, be, to, to do well. We want things to, to move on. We want our name to be great. And he wanted it to be great for God. And God said, not only will it be great now, but kings are going to come out of your lineage. Nations are going to be birthed. And so for him as a man, he's thinking, wow, that's good stuff for me. If we kept on talking about this is going to be a, a, this covenant that we have with you. And right here, we're going to skip some verses because this is where God establishes covenant through the act of circumcision. And the next verses begin to tell all the people that, that were circumcised as a way of saying, listen, this is my covenant with you. And then uh, we move on to Genesis chapter 17. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall now call uh, her name Sarah. And Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her. And moreover, I'll give you a son by her. And I'll bless her. And she'll, uh, she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. And then Abraham fell on his face. And he laughed. And he said to himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it, it, it's an amazing thing to sit there and laugh at God like that. God, God's pretty thick skin, And he proved it again right here, didn't he? He proved it when Cain said, what? Am I my brother's keeper? Uh, you ever see somebody and go, I can't believe you just said that? You, you crossed a line? He said, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? So he says this to him. He goes, she's going to have a child. And, and he's going, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. That's, a, that's laughter at what God can do, right? Questioning of that. But at the same time, while he questioned it, he still had faith. It doesn't make sense to me. It's okay to say to God, you know, God, I'm sensing you're calling me to do this. It, it doesn't make sense to me. But with you, anything's possible. I'm going to be 100 years old, and she's going to be 90, and we're going to have a child. Okay, now, guys, some of you are young enough you can't picture that. Some of you are older. You know, I'm 55, 60, I think 100 years old and 90. It just, I wouldn't, I don't know that I'd want it, right? I mean, really, stop and think about it. Man, my grandson comes over now, you know, and when he leaves, I'm like, oh, gosh, I need to, I'm so tired. You're going to have a child. He can't see it, but he is also trying to trust it. And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. So remember the time when we were uh, reading in between all those verses that we skipped? This is one of the stories that happened during that time. That Sarah had gone to her maidservant and said, listen, go sleep with my husband because I need a, I need, we have to have a child. And so she has Ishmael. And uh, so she's thinking, wow, you know. I've got a son for him now. This, this is going to be your son. And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live forever. That's why he said that. He said, okay, you're talking about Ishmael. You're talking about Ishmael. That's, that's the one that's going to make my name great. And it wasn't it. It says this. It says, uh, and God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him, 
Now, you know what, the, you know what Isaac means? Anybody? The word means laughter. His name literally means laughter. Ishmael, Ishmael means basically a free nomad. And so Isaac was, came out of that laughter. And can you imagine? Every time he saw, that was so good. And every time he saw Isaac, he'd go, ah, that's the, you always remind me of when I laughed at God and thought it wasn't possible. Constant reminder. Constant reminder. Well, let's just go ahead. Since you laugh at me, I love that. Let's just call him laughter, right? And since you really thought that Ishmael was going to be yours and going to be the one, let's just make him this free nomad who you'll never control. And then uh, he says, uh, he said, I'll make this covenant with you. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and I'll make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes, and I will make him into a great nation. He said, but I will establish my covenant with Isaac. See, and what I want you all to know, everybody look right here for a minute. This is where it gets nerdy, and you start studying the Bible, and you start reading the Word, and you shut down, and you think it's not that entertaining at the times, but this is where you really need to pay attention. Because what we need to bring you back to when you read the Old Testament, it's always a foretelling of God's redemption that will come through Christ. And everything that happened, watch this, everything that happened then is why we're even here today. God saw his covenant through. He said he was going to do it, and he did it. But yet every day, you have to make decisions. And you say, oh, God, I want to trust you. And he's giving you directions. But you question whether or not it's going to happen. You doubt. You may have anxieties. I go through it. Why wouldn't you? You doubt. We have anxieties. We worry. We don't see how God could change somebody's heart. We don't see how God can move in somebody's life. Watch this. We don't see how people can come back to Christ that have left. We don't see how the relationship with you and other family members can even be taken care of. We, we see no way out in a relationship with a dad or a mom and a, a, a mom and a dad or a dad and a son and a daughter or whatever. That there's no way it can be reconciled. You think you cannot get over your loneliness? You think you cannot get over your pain? It's like you going and me going, <laughs> okay. Just like he laughed. And when we go back to Isaac, it's almost like God goes, man, I'm here. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. And, and you go, how can you put this in today's, what can I walk away with this week? And that's what I always want you to walk away with. Walk away with that what happened here is what we've been doing all our lives. He says, and, and whom shall bear to you next year? And when he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. And the Lord said, I will show return and, and to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door. Here it goes. And, and now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of a woman had ceased to be with Sarah. <laughs> Man. I mean, so now she's hearing this. And look. So Sarah laughed at her, laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? There is no way. She's standing. We've all read these verses. And she's just listening. And do you see that Isaac laughed? I mean, uh, uh, Abraham laughed. And God said, that's going to be his name. 
And then we see not just a few, <laughs> few minutes later, the same thing happens. Two people. Watch this. Watch this. Two people who God's going to use greatly to put us where we are today. And they both were faithful, but they weren't quite sure. Does that sound like any of, any of us in the room? We're faithful, but we just don't know. We're faithful. We just go, God, did you really say that? We read a scripture, and we're faithful, and then we say, could that really be you? Did you? Did that song come on just for me at that right time? Or is that just circumstance? And with God, there's no such thing as circumstance. If we truly believe that he rules the earth, not just reigns over it. And there are things that you're dealing with this week or you will deal with this week where God will say, I need to give you direction. I'm giving it to you through my word. I'm giving it through the Holy Spirit. I'm giving it to you through other people. I'm giving it to, to you through the experiences, people that are lost and people that are not lost. And I'm trying to speak to you. I'm trying to speak to you. And I really want to encourage you that when you sense that, you better listen up. And the neat thing about that is God has a great plan for each of us to do something. Right? So she laughed at him. I love this. And then the Lord said to Abraham, <laughs> I love this. Hey, Abraham, why does Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? He looked at Abraham. He didn't say it. So he looked at Abraham and said, hey, Abraham. You know, your, your wife just laughed. What? Oh, Lord, both of us failed. <laughs> you know? Hey, why, 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 why is she laughing? Yeah. She's going to remember that statement just like you will for the rest of your days as you see Isaac. But I'm going to make it come true because I'm the God of impossible and I'm the God that can do anything. Right? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Oh, wow. See how I'm trying to bring it in today? Hey, guys, what's the difference between the Lord today and yesterday and forever? He's the same. So that statement, is anything too hard for the Lord, still stands for you and I today. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Can you find you a new job? Can you take care of your boss that doesn't treat you right? Can he heal your marriage? Can he really speak to you clearly? Can, can he answer your prayers? Can he bring healing to a relationship? I mean, come on. And when you make statements about anything or anybody that say, there's no way that's going to happen. I would always leave it to, I, I don't have faith that could happen, but I do believe it could. And maybe your faith will begin to grow. He says, uh, at the appointed time, I'll return to you about this time next year, and, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not lie. Don't you love that? I didn't do that. You ever see that? I didn't do it. You know, I didn't do it. You ever hear kids say that? Uh, who did that? I didn't do it. Quickly to blame. Uh, I didn't do it. That was, it, was, it was them, right? You ever? Does that sound familiar? I didn't do it. Whose fault was it? You go back to what, Adam and Eve? I didn't do it. It's her. I didn't do it. It was him. Listen, here's the thing. Remember, if you did something, just fess up. You know, I did it. I said it. I messed up. I messed up. I did. I did it. God, I didn't believe in you. I did laugh. She should have said, talk on it, dog. God, I did laugh. I just can't see this happening. I mean, look at me. Look at this. So, 
She said, you, she said, oh, but God said, oh, but you did. Did you go back one for me? I can't make it go back. He says, uh, thank you, man. He says, uh, and Sarah denied it. And I did not laugh, but she was afraid. And he said, no, no, but you did. You did. And that's what I want you to see here. Oh, but you did doubt. Remember the time you doubted? Oh, but you did question that God could. Oh, but you did disobey. You did. I didn't disobey. You know, yeah, you did. You disobeyed. Yeah, I didn't rebel. You did rebel. It wasn't disobeying last night. It was rebellion, true rebellion. Oh, you did do things your way. You, oh, you, you did say what you wanted, and you did not listen. And that you is not me talking to you. It's me talking to us. Okay, so let's bring it home with now. Oh, but you are doubting. Some of you are going, I, I believe in God. I trust in God. And you talk to five other people about your issues. Right? If you trust in God, talk to him. Pick your one or two favorites and don't say anything else. Oh, but you are doubting. That's why you're talking about it. You're doubting. Right? Or, oh, oh but you are questioning that God can't take care of you, that God can't provide for you, that God can't take your loneliness away. You're questioning that. Oh, you're questioning, oh, there's, God can't speak to me that way, but he can. Oh, but, but you're rebelling. Oh, but you're doing things, you are doing things your way. I'm doing things my way. Oh, but you are saying what you want to say, and you're not being kind, and you're not being patient, and you're not living the fruits of the Spirit. I mean, remember, I tell you all the time, I don't live the fruits of the Spirit all the time. I'm, I try to be kind, but when I'm not kind, I go back and I apologize because what? I, I need to do that. So this week, something's going to happen or something's already happened that you're in the midst, in, midst of. And, and this is what we're going through. We are. We can say, no, God, I don't. And you go, yeah, I am. I'm doubting. I'm questioning. I have the anxieties. I'm not doing the way you want me to. I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit. I'm not choosing to follow you. I'm not having faith to believe in you. I'm having faith to believe in other people. I love what Charles Wendell said. It's our biggest problem isn't that we don't see or hear God. It's that we struggle with doing what he commands. The bottom line. So, is God giving you direction? He's made his covenant with you. He lives within you. He's with you. That's why when people pray, I know what they mean. They say, oh, God, come down here and do something big. And it's almost like the Holy Spirit's going, I'm, I'm, I'm in you. I don't need to come down there. I'm, I'm with you. I'm down here. I'm with you. It's kind of like, oh, Holy, we ask the Holy Spirit to move. And get, the Holy Spirit's going, I'm always moving. I, I, I don't, I'm not saying those are bad prayers. I'm just saying I know what we mean. But, but, but we, really, I, I don't pray, oh, Holy Spirit, move. I go, oh, oh Holy Spirit, help us pay attention to your moving because I know you're constantly moving. Right? So God's speaking us through his word. So this week, if you haven't gotten your word much, you might all start trying. Remember, I always tell you, well, I don't read the Bible much. Well, the first place you go, all right, you want to learn about Jesus, you read John. You want to live to learn like Jesus and learn to live the way that Jesus wants you to live, you go to 1 John. You want to know the history of how, how God put all this together, then go to Hebrews. Amen. I got you. Start this week. And then before you read, say, oh, Lord, uh, use Holy Spirit, I welcome you to help me to read. Why do, can we do that? Because we have a covenant with God. That's why. 
God made the covenant. He is in us. He is with us. He said this is a new covenant, and it came through Jesus Christ and him alone. That's a good thing. That's why this is so important. And then just say, hey, Lord, use the relationships. If you want me to get, if you want me to get rid of these relationships that aren't good for me, then, Lord, help, help me to do that. And, Lord, if you want me to listen to that person who does not know you but just taught me a great lesson about what it means and what they see, use that in my life. So God's giving you direction. He can give you direction through his Holy Spirit, his word, all these things, because there's a new covenant with us.